Welcome in to Win or Hughes, the Bay Area Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Hughes, alongside my brother, Eric Hughes. And we're going to be joining you each week on Mondays, talking a little bit about what's going on in Bay Area sports with a big focus on the Oakland A's, the team that we like to follow. So we're going to jump into it because, Rick, there was some big news today as the A's are getting ready for uh, the season opener. They're going to come home for this Bay Bridge series, pregame series against the Giants, and that's going to start on Sunday, and then they're going to take on the Giants in San Francisco. But it looks like the A's have locked into the way they're going to start the season with the starting rotation. That was kind of the big news that they're talking about, that they're going to have a five-man rotation to start the season off. They're going to go with the rookie. Kind of a surprise. Kyle Muller going to get the start on opening day. It's going to be a rookie starter that the A's got in the Sean Murphy trade with Atlanta. Then you're going to have... Shintaro Fujinami, he's going to pitch on Saturdays. We're going to talk a little bit more about that a little later. And James Caprillion, Ken Waldachuk in it, not too much of a surprise. Paul Blackburn and uh, Drew Rosinski starting the season on the injured list. So Adam Aller, uh, if he can get over an issue with Vertigo and J.P. Sears will kind of be those fifth guys or they'll be the guys out of the bullpen. But that's kind of what you're looking at for the A's to start this season. And I, I just want to start with Kyle Moeller. Because he's a guy that's a rookie. I think it's kind of a surprise. I mean, I know that the A's are very high on him. He's got a little bit of major league experience. But over a guy like James Caprillion, maybe kind of the way that things are ironed out, I kind of thought maybe James Caprillion would be the opening day starter after Paul Blackburn went down and obviously Cole Irvin was traded. Yeah, I mean, it is a little surprising. I got to say, I don't know too much about them. Um, spring games have not been easy to come by. Uh, and some of the ones I've tried to even follow on A's cast, uh, like last night, tried to catch the second uh, doubleheader, and that one wasn't broadcast. But if the A's like them and they're going to start them, it makes me excited to see what you could see. I think uh, when we saw Blackburn uh, go out as the starter and then get himself a um, uh, an all-star spot, you know, it, it was pretty exciting. So even if, uh, you know, he's not an ace this season, it makes me wonder what's he going to look like two, three years from now. Yeah, and, you know, he's being compared to a lot of interesting names. I mean, like, he gets comparisons to Mark Mulder, but I think a lot of that is that he's a big left-handed pitcher that has, like, six pitches, you know, and that's kind of like Mark Mulder's calling card. Mark Kotze compared him a little bit to Madison Bumgarner, uh, which is another, you know, really interesting front of rotation kind of guy. And he's got the kind of stuff. I mean, I've seen him throw, you know, mid 90s and, you know, he's got everything in the kitchen sink. He's been a little inconsistent, but he does have a lot of strikeouts. And I think that's kind of a signal maybe that the way the A's are thinking this year versus last year is that they believe these young guys that they've acquired or that they had a year ago in the minor leagues it's time to push them in and it's time for them to start getting the experience because to a degree last year was a little bit of a lost year. And with the pandemic and the way that that set back a lot of guys in their development, I think that they view some of their guys as really like just kind of getting caught up this year to the way that things would have normally gone if maybe the pandemic hadn't stalled some development. And so now they're feeling confident that, hey, you know what, if we're going to go out there and lose 102 games again, we might as well do it while developing some of these like high ceiling guys. And I think that the ability to throw a guy like Kyle Moeller out there on opening day is kind of a testament that this is a guy that the A's think is like going to be around and they want to start that ball rolling as opposed to just, 
you know, putting a guy out there that maybe you don't know that well and isn't going to be here in five years. Like the A's think like, hey, this is going to be a guy that we believe will be part of our rotation for four or five years. I think it's going to be great for his confidence to see that the organization has that much faith in him. Uh, hopefully um, he, he'll be able to back it up. And, uh, you know, it is pretty par for the course for the A's to go through the rebuild. And then the next year when when they start clearing house, it's a wash. That's kind of what it is. Um, you know, not that last season wasn't fun, but you knew there wasn't a lot to play for. And mm-hmm. so instead of going for, OK, I'm looking long haul here, you're just taking it game at a time. I think it'll be a little bit more like that this season, but the rebuild process starts somewhere. And then I think this is similar to probably that 2016 team where you start getting some of those core pieces and you see them start to develop. So a few years from now, those are the guys that you're excited. Those are the jerseys that are getting given away on Mm -hmm. promotion day. So I'm excited to see what's going on here. Uh, I'm excited to see how he does. I mean, we all know I love opening day. And so uh, if you can't get up for opening day, like what can you get up for? So we'll see think, how it goes. Yeah, I think another surprising thing is that he's new to the organization. You know, like he he came here in a trade. He did get some time with Atlanta. But to see a guy get that nod on opening day, I, I got to imagine he is going to just, you know, like that's a big start. It's the opening day. It's the biggest crowd the A's are going to have for a long time. Uh, it's the biggest crowd that you're going to be in front of for a while. And like, it's not exactly an easy team that you're going to have to go through. You're going to be playing the angels. You're going to have to face Mike Trout and Shohei Otani on opening day. Adrenaline's high. You want to impress because you're right. Spring games don't get a lot of attention from the fans. The numbers are a little hard to read. So this is really a first impression for a guy uh, in a new organization amongst new fans that haven't been following his career through the minor leagues for like a decade plus that you've been like, Oh, I know this guy. I've been excited about him. I've been hearing about him. It's like, Nope. Welcome to the A's. You're starting opening day. I mean, I know it's a little circumstance because if they had, you know, everything lined up, it'd be probably Paul Blackburn. But I think that's one of the things I'm most surprised about that. It's going to be a guy that, you know, not a lot of A's fans know the organization is just getting to know him. And that's going to be a lot of feel like a pressure on opening day to come out there and have that kind of good performance, especially because it's not like it's uh, something where you're, you're starting on day two or three and you can kind of feel like there's a lot of pressure taken off of you on opening day. And like you said, against the angels who have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, who ESPN has just ranked as the number one and number two players in baseball coming off a pretty hot world baseball classic. So I think they've got some of the rust knocked off. Um, yeah, that's a good point. You know, you, you could see them really delivering, and they were playing some meaningful games, you know, so they're ready. They're ready to come into this season. So not only is it a test, you got the opening day, like you said, where the last dive bar probably isn't going to really feel like a dive bar and more like a, a pretty, you know, bougie club. It's <laughs> it's going to be a, a packed house. And uh, yeah, it, it'll definitely be a test. He'll he'll have to battle those nerves at opening day, as well as battling two of the best players in the game. Yeah, as and as a rookie, nonetheless, like not like hey, just draw on all your years of experience and all those big starts and everything. It's like 
Uh, that's gonna that was a surprising one to me. I, I I thought maybe James Caprillion would get it. He's got a lot of experience. The organization knows him. He's pitched well this spring. I know he's coming off of an injury and a surgery. So, you know, I think they wanted to give him a little bit of rest, take some of that off of him. And then Adam Aller was a guy that I thought maybe had a chance because he had some good he was pitching well this spring, a little bit more familiar with the organization, but uh, you know, we'll we'll see. It's opening day after you know, after a week, everyone forgets about it. It's got a lot of pressure leading up to that big moment, that first big start in front of a big crowd. But, you know, think about your opening day starts. Like you you don't think about them too often, you know, like you do when you think about like kind of funny things that happen where a guy got like scratched. Remember when it was like, I think it was like Rich Hill had to go in for Sonny Gray on a opening day start because of a late scratch and, you know, things like that. Uh, I'm excited to see Kyle Muller. Uh, I, I I would say that it's a little weird because you're, you you kind of want to put your best foot forward, and you know the A's on aren't able to do that. But Kyle Muller is who they feel is going to be their best foot forward right away. But I'm excited to see him pitch. I don't know if it's like right away that you're like, okay, this is our ace, this is our win day guy is right away is a rookie that they just got from another organization as opposed to anybody else that they had or that they've got coming up. But you know. I'll keep it. I'll keep myself uh, looking for the glass half full on it. Exactly. And, you know, the other side is maybe he is, you know, yeah. so who knows? You know, I remember when Sonny Gray came up, he was, you know, unknown and turned into Sonny Gray and uh, yeah. somebody that everyone in the green and gold knows and loves. So hopefully we'll get a little more of that. You know, the other thing is no pitcher is going to go out and win every single game. You know, and so the other side is your next start, it's going to be probably a walk in the park comparatively. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's always big for opening day. I'm sure it's a huge honor for him. I'm sure he's really excited. I'm sure his whole family is excited for him. I'm sure when it comes, there's going to be a lot of butterflies that day. But hopefully, you know, those butterflies help him step up and, you know, shine when the lights are on. I mean, you're right. Like if he goes out there in that opening day and uses that adrenaline and channels it into like six innings of shove it, you know, like you're like, hey, this guy's pretty good. You can make a good first impression. I guess, you know, you're right. It's just kind of like part of being an A's fan is like set the expectations low, so low that nobody's going to care or see it and then be pleasantly surprised when they're like way overcome, you know? God, I can't recall the year. It was probably 2016, but uh, I went to opening day. Then I went to a game in, um, I think, September, and it was like five new guys were on the lineup mm-hmm. that you know weren't even there on opening day. So who knows? Who knows what's going to go on? Uh, who knows if this is just still part of the rebuild? And it's like, hey, let's flash some talent and. You know, I, I I hope that he's going to deliver and shine and be an ace that we can look to and be someone that, you know, gets the nod again next year. And we're like, yeah, he earned it. Yeah. He deserved it in the year after that. Um, but, you know, the way the A's go, especially in a, a rebuild year like that, he, he could be a game piece that turns into some other game pieces. So, you know, I, I just honestly haven't seen enough about him, but. You know, I think the organization, they're still going to see things behind the scenes, see things in training, see his work ethic and things like that. And they've obviously seen enough that they trust him to go out there first night and start the season off against some pretty good players. So 
they've got some faith in him and uh you know and billy bean we trust i know uh we trust even though he's not yeah. part of the organization like that anymore but yeah you're right that's the mantra right and so, david forrest we trust right so you may know, the force it, be with you that's what we should be switching it up to right now as fans a lot of time you know uh and, and you know you got a lot more um uh, insight in these things you can uh dive i'm glad deep. you acknowledge that i'm just yeah. glad that that's on video right now that yeah we, i'm well, just you, gonna cut around that one part right you, there you can dive deeper than the casual fan because you know this is your profession so you can yeah. do that where you know other guys were at work and we're looking around and then the boss comes and you gotta hide that you know so uh it is your job to to look deeper in that stuff but one thing that i have learned as a fan is you know, sometimes I let the feelings rule and think that the feelings know best. And that's not always the case. So uh, keeping that in mind, I'm just going to think that the they've seen enough uh, from spring. They've seen enough behind the scenes that you don't even get to see in, in the spring games. You know, just the work ethic, the way they compose themselves in the locker room and things like that. And if they trust them to go out. Uh, if they trust him over Caprillion, who I, I agree, you, you know, he might have done enough to earn this. But if they're saying, nope, this is our guy, well, let's ride it. Yeah. And uh, another interesting thing I want to talk to you about with the uh, uh, rotation is the A's are going to go with a five-man rotation. There was talk about kind of doing like a hybrid six-man rotation because Shintaro Fujinami, coming from Japan, had been on this rotation where he would pitch on six days rest or like pitch on the, the sixth day as opposed to being, you know, as part of like a five-man rotation. So the A's, as he's making this transition to the big league to make things a little easier on him, they're going to basically have him pitch on Saturdays, which is going to be a huge draw at the Coliseum when he's pitching at home on a Saturday because people are going to want to come out and see him. You're going to see... A, a star to a degree he's going to attract a big audience and i think there's going to be a lot of appeal especially games against the angels when he's going to be going against otani and you know whether otani's on the mound or not he's going to face him in the lineup most likely and that's going to be a huge draw with people coming out to see both of those guys fuji has been what we heard you know like he's got maybe the best most complete stuff on the staff right now. He's a little bit more veteran than a lot of the guys the A's have in their rotation. You know, he throws 96, 97 miles an hour. And when he's on, he's cruising. looks great. But he loses it like that. And all of a sudden, he'll walk three in a row, four in a row. You know, like an, an outing like when he pitched today, didn't give up a hit, walks a bunch of guys. And he can also strike out a lot. So, you know, it, it kind of like... He's kind of like the pitcher version of, you know, the three outcomes where it's like a home run, a walk or a strikeout. He's kind of like the pitcher version of that so far. Um, but the A's are going to have a big draw for him. And that's kind of where you're going to have this kind of swingman rotation, whether it's going to be like Adam Aller or J.P. Sears. That'll be in the bullpen, but really kind of like as a swingman to kind of give the A's those starts when maybe they don't have the off days lined up or they need that and they can also call up a guy like adrian martinez but i'm really interested to see what fuji will do you know not just making that transition but like how the a's are kind of catering their rotation around this guy um as far as trying to make him comfortable and just generally from your perspective are you coming into this with a level of excitement because he's you know maybe the kind of guy like the A's called a press conference when they signed him 
The last time they called a press conference when they signed a player was like when they brought back like Jason Giambi, you know, like they just don't do it that often. But are you excited for him as just maybe a fan for what he represents for like potential stardom, uh, knowing that, you know, it comes with some inconsistency or is it like, a you know, we'll wait and see. He's going to have to earn my love. You know, like I mean, I think everyone on the, the roster this year, you're, you're kind of looking for potential stardom, right? I mean, uh, the one that I think you probably feel is most dependable is Langoliers. And, you know, we, we've still only seen a little bit of him. But, you know, going back to the pitchers, uh, the one that I'm most familiar with is Caprillion and Blackburn. And like you said, Blackburn's, um, you know, starting on the bench here or uh, injured. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what everyone can uh, can come out and do. You know, I, I feel like the A's, it, it's a cyclical thing. It's, you know, build them up. Get as close as you can get without breaking the bank on a big contract. Uh, you know, the A's aren't going to be one of those teams giving out one of those $300, $400 million 10-year deals. So when players start getting to that, it's like they kind of price themselves out of the organization and then they become cash and chips. Um so I, I just think it's like a cyclical thing for me. You know, again, I going back to the last episode we were talking about, 2015 was a wash year. And then 2016, you start seeing some of those pieces that are pieces of the puzzle. And you start building around that um, until, you know, they price themselves out, Matt Olson style and Matt Chapman style. So um i am excited for this year i honestly i i don't know too much about any of the guys that are coming in new this year i i've not seen a lot of the spring um yeah the the channels i get i guess it was uh nbc sports probably yeah. had something but a little bit too little too late and i know they're coming back so i think they'll be back on nbc uh the bay area or california when that comes back so I'll be catching the the end of it, but I'm kind of looking at this like this is a cyclical thing that the A's do. I look at last year was the wash year that I still had a lot of fun going to games and, you know, getting out there. But this is the year where I, I'm, I'm expecting as a fan to see people that are going to be key for the future. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. You're, you're right. I think there are some guys that we've heard about that are built up to us like Langoliers, uh, is a guy that you've heard about and, you, you know, we got a chance to see him at the end of last year. So for fans coming in, that's a guy that they recognize a little bit. But even then, it's a little bit like the only guys that you really know, if you're an A's fan, you were watching last year. And that was, you know, very few people because there wasn't much going on. Seth, Seth Brown is a guy that A's fans know. Ramon Laureano, a guy that A's fans know. And then. Some guys in the bullpen, Zach Jackson, you know, made an impression. And, you know, you've got some more established big leaguers like Trevor May uh, is, you know, an established big league pitcher. But outside of that, maybe Paul Blackburn, you're right. It is a lot of guys that even if you've heard about them, you probably haven't watched a lot of them play. And I think even for the A's, they're not quite set on these roles yet. They do feel like this roster has a lot of flexibility. You know, Tony Kemp can play in the infield and the outfield. Seth Brown can play in the infield and the outfield. Pretty much everybody can play like three different positions. And that means like it gives the A's kind of uh, an ability to mix and match. And it reminds me a little bit of like 
2014 and those years when the A's were going to go with those kind of like really hard platoon splits. So you're going to see a guy that's going to come in and like, if he just dominates lefties, like the way Johnny Gomes used to do, you're going to play against lefties. You know, like if this guy Mm -hmm. dominates righties and because of the positional flexibility that they have, you're going to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to try to field it. So, you know, you played left field yesterday, today you're at first base so that we can get another guy in there that also crushes lefties and then just try to stack the lineup each day, maybe being a little different. So, that you're not going to have that traditional role that we saw like last year or, you know, two years ago. It was like, Matt Olson, you're playing first every single day. Matt Chapman, mm-hmm. you're playing third. Mm-hmm. You know, Ramon, you're going to be in center. And it's just going to be standard every single night. I don't think we're going to see that as much with this team, as much as you're going to see guys moving around. So you're going to see guys playing maybe every day, but in different roles. And maybe it's like, hey, you're not coming in until the sixth inning as like, you know, once they've gone to their bullpen and you're going to stay in the rest of the game or something like that. You know, I guess what I am excited about with having so many young players coming up and uh, they've got something to prove. And that's something that uh, it's those are the players that go out and just play with heart, you know, and there are times where I, I kind of feel like, hey, I. I think I like college football better. Like these guys are just laying it on the line. You mean better than the NFL? Like not like pro. Yeah, like but excuse me. Yeah. yeah, better yeah. than the NFL because I'm like, man, these guys, they're trying to get it. These guys don't already know. They're not on McShay's draft board, you know, on ESPN every night. And they're like, I, I would love to be Mister Irrelevant, right? And so they, uh, they really go out and they, they really do it all. The other side of that, it just like you're saying, you know, we don't have that Matt Olson who, yes, you are our first baseman. We know you're going to hit a bunch of dingers. Just when I start thinking like, oh, I think I like college football more. Then you watch him Pull make it back in. <laughs> you, you watch him miss a play that you're like, yeah. wow, you, you probably should have done that. And you're yeah. like, There's people that do this professionally. Right. Yeah, that's the NFL. And that's where the difference is, you know, yeah. and that's where. You know, you do see a difference between a Freeman or a Matt Olson and then a, hey, Seth Brown, we're going to have you go to first today. You know, not that he can't do it, but I I don't think you want to bet your mortgage on him being an all-star at first base for the AL this year. So, um, you know, not that he couldn't, you know, you you like to be optimistic for the A's and, it you know, with a lot of young players, it does go back to those those days you know they're young but they can play and yeah. so um you know that was a different team but you like to keep that hope and you, you like to think that that's kind of part of the culture of the organization and so i i'm really hopeful for this year i am excited um you know i like we said last time you know a, a little bit you get frustrated seeing that the prices are still going up and knowing that those those quality players that Matt Olson, he's gone. Chapman, he's gone, you know, but that's par for the course with this organization. And if uh, if you're surprised by that, you're either new to an A's fan or you haven't really been paying attention. I mean, I, I think it's weird because we do get frustrated as a fan base and you see the fans get frustrated, and rightfully so, like when that turnover happens. But it's, you know, a little bit like fighting against Charlie Brown trying to kick the football. And, you know, like every time you're expecting like, this is going to be the time they got the stadium getting close that this time they're going to hold it down. We're going to get to kick the football. We're going to get to re-sign some of these guys. Now, to the A's credit, they did try to re-sign 
Matt Chapman. He didn't, he turned down the deal and, you know, see if that works out and everything. But they, they did have a belief at some level that they were going to be able to do that with this last iteration of competitiveness. Now it hasn't worked out. The stadium stalled out and that's definitely a big part of it. But at some point, there is this belief, I think, with A's fans that there will be a graduating class, so to speak, of these prospects and young players that they will try to sign to a longer term deal. And, you know, even if it's still you look at what the deals are going for in Major League Baseball and you look at what the A's longest, biggest deal is, it's still Eric Chavez. And that's how long it's been since the A's have made a big splash. Now, they did a shorter term deal with Chris Davis didn't it had mixed results and i think that Mm -hmm. that's another part of it for them but at some point you are thinking like okay we are going to have a graduating class we're going to try to keep a core of guys together and build that around and market it around so you joked a little bit about like having those guys that they give away on jersey day i think that that's going to be a a thing for the a's is like you look at some of their marketing that they do and they're going to give away kind of more generic team-oriented stuff because you know you don't know who's going to be there in the middle of a season or the beginning of the season or who's big enough, you know, like has Shea Langoliers done enough that people are going to be excited for a bobblehead early on, like eventually, hopefully, but not right away. But kind of like what you're saying. And that that's, you know, because we do get um, frustrated as fans seeing that, but there is the hope that you're getting there and to see them trade Sean Murphy and to go, okay, we're we're putting our money on Langoliers. It kind of makes you hopeful that we're getting closer than we thought we were, you know? So uh, I know, you know, Langoliers, you, you can't put everything on him. You know, he's he's just one person. And you, what, you don't expect your catcher to go out and be your best hitter. And we know he is a really good hitter, but your catcher's primary job is to – control the game and run that game and and help keep your pitcher nice and calm and help them manage the game. Um, And that's why I think generally you see catchers batting ninth, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. you you get the exception now and then, uh, but that that's not their primary job is to carry the organization with the bat. But we've seen that Langoliers has a pretty good bat from what we've seen so far. So yeah, I, I think, to see them going, okay, we've got an all-star in Murphy. We're going to move him on. We'll get some pieces for that. And we trust that Langoliers is going to be able to go out and, and do the job. So I think it does keep giving you that hope. Either that or they're just still dangling that carrot right in front yeah. of you. Like, <laughs> and who knows? So. I mean, they tried. They tried to sign, you know, Matt Chapman. They thought, like, you know, I, I was a little surprised they weren't able to get a deal done you know, either with Chapman at that time, which worked out because, you know, he got hurt a little bit and, you know, they were able to trade him and we'll see how that all works out. But I think at some point A's fans would be quelled a little bit by starting to believe that, Hey, you sign a guy long-term and you're showing me something now it might not work out that way. Cause maybe they still wind up, you know, having to move to a different city. We'll see how that all works out. And then, you know, you take that big contract and that star with you to that next city. But, you know, I, I'm excited because, like you said, the guys that we are waiting to see be that next iteration of a competitive window are arriving or they're starting to be here. And that's what the guys of the A's have targeted, whether it's a guy that they believe in, like an Estuary Ruiz or Shea Langoliers or guys that we just saw that are like knocking on the door 
and that are just going to not break camp. They're going to start in the minor leagues like Tyler Sodomstrom, uh, Zach Geloff, Lawrence Butler. Like this was probably the last spring that those guys don't break camp with the A's. And like that is really exciting to see because they're going to be bumping up a lot of these guys that are kind of like placeholders to a degree. And that they're, they're going to have to to see who, how everything fits together. But eventually, you know, the A's do have Tyler Sodomstrom pegged as a star, whether that's at first base or catcher, you know, and they'll figure that out. But between like a platoon with Langoliers, Zach Geloff is going to be their second baseman of the future. That's what they believe. And, you know, there's nothing that he's done to say that that's not still on track. So, you know, like you're going to start this year, unlike last year, with some of those young, exciting players. You're going to start to get to know them. We're going to watch some growing pains. Definitely going to watch some of that. But then as the year goes along, you're going to see more of those guys getting added in as some of these young guys are starting to establish themselves. And not everyone's going to make it. You're going to see some guys that we're excited for this spring that are going to kind of fall by the wayside. And this is the way it goes. You know, like even you think back through the history, there's been a lot of top prospects that A's fans were really excited about. Maybe they had a splash here or there and then kind of fell by the wayside. And then you see some other guys that were maybe a little lower on the prospect depth chart that became, you know, regular everyday guys. Like you think about even some of the guys that we love, like Mark Canna was not like some huge top 50 prospect, you know, in the A's organization. And he became one of their best, most consistent players by the end where you're like devastated when he left. And that's the key part. What you just said right there is consistency, right? You don't need to go out and, and go, you know what? I'm the next Soto, you know, I'm the next trout, you know, wait, it'd be really nice to to have one of those guys. It would be amazing. It would be (laughs) lovely, but to be able to go out and be consistent and go and produce, you know, you, you don't have to light it up. You don't have to go get the MLB uh, hit streak, you know, but if we can depend on you on going out and doing your job, uh, the other one is Estuary Ruiz, right? Like, even if he's just really consistent on causing danger on the base path and just making something happen, just making those pitchers nervous, making those catchers nervous, making them just keep an eye on you. You know, until Starling Marte came, I can't remember somebody that was able to just start grabbing bases when he wanted to start grabbing them. And they get to first base and you're just like, this guy can make something happen. He He's going to make this pitcher nervous, and the pitcher's either going to start missing the zone, or this year he's going to start doing some pickoff moves, and maybe he does three of them, and, hey, now you got second for free. So, uh, But being able to do that consistently, that that is the, the key thing. That is something that, you know, was definitely missing last year. You, you love Tony Kemp. You love seeing him make those highlight plays where – he just flew like yeah. it, it was like a Eric Burns one that one he did. But anytime then, Tony Kemp leaves his feet, something amazing is happening. It <laughs> absolutely does. But then you watch his face, too. And it's almost like he's as surprised yeah. as everybody is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, I, I love Tony Kemp. But what you want to see is somebody that's out there and consistent. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of expect that from themselves. Like, and no, consistent in a good way. Consistent in a good yes. way. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, yeah. I, uh, thank you for clarifying yeah. that. Consistency can go both ways sometimes. Yeah. No, because last year that is what we saw. Like, uh, yeah. just a consistency of, you know, mistakes that yeah. just should not have been happening. And a lot of times with two outs and uh, the ball's dropping in the infield. Yeah. You know, so... 
Uh, no, uh, I'm, I think we're beyond that. I just, I kind of equate last year to the 2015. It was just kind of a wash. Um, not that we didn't get to see a lot of good baseball, but it definitely becomes one where you go out and you're like, let's just win today. Yeah. You know, you know, you're not like, Hey, if we do this, if we do this, maybe we can get into the wild card. You know, they, I, I don't think anyone thought that last year, you know, I think you were just like, Hey, definitely not I, last year. <laughs> I just want them to play celebration yeah. at the end yeah. of the game. That's yeah. all I want to hear when this is over. Yeah. So, well, we're going to hopefully hear celebration a lot more than we heard last year, which was a low, low bar to clear. Uh, but we're getting close to opening day. You know, we we got a couple spring training games left. And then, you know, I know that we've gone to like every opening day for a, a long, long time when they've had it, especially when it's uh, the home openers. What is your like go to like opening day traditions? Like what like besides showing up late and, you know, do you still like to go party in the parking lot? Like what is it that you like to do about opening day or what is it about opening day that you like? Is it just that like it you still get that reminder of what it's like at the Coliseum when people show up and the vibes are good? You know, I opening day, it just is so nostalgic. It brings back that feeling of being a little kid going uh going to the ballpark and just like just being enamored with everything going on. You know, I I love the flyovers, you know, um, I, I still remember uh, going across uh, the the little Bart walkway yeah. and they had some jets blasting with their afterburners and everybody's uh, car alarm starts going off. Uh, <laughs> but the one that I love is that kind of YouTube hype video like this is the Coliseum, you right. know, I, that that definitely is. I got to do that every opening day. Um, yeah, we go every opening day. I think one of uh, my personal favorites was we pretty much literally had the worst seats in the house. We were as far back as you could possibly get um, over in left field in the, in a corner as yeah. well. And so we had the two seats there. And then two people came up and they were like, I think you're in my seat. They're <laughs> like, <laughs> the worst seats. Yeah. Those open ones right there are yeah. probably, let me see your ticket. Yeah, those are yours. We did yeah. not steal the farthest <laughs> back seats yeah. in the stadium. No, I know. So, <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, another one, I was... thought they were joking at first when they were like, yeah, that, that was pretty surprising. But then, you know, another one was after I got married, my wife knew what a, a big deal this was for us and part of the tradition. And she wanted to come and I was like, okay, okay. Um, you had to be I... like, let me just let you know what you're well, getting into. I, I, w I was a little reserved because I was like, listen, I, any other game, any other yeah. game, we'll get there in the third inning. We'll leave in the seventh. We'll listen on the way home. We'll watch it when we get home. Opening day, I need to be there early. Like, this is what needs to happen. So she was like, okay, I'm going to go to work and all that. Well, no, no, no. You like, don't <laughs> even go to work. We you don't, don't go to work no, on no. opening day. So then all this other stuff's happening. And then uh, I'm like, where is she? She She's late and she's blah, blah, blah. And then uh, she's like, oh, I've got to go to the doctor. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> and uh, I didn't know. Um, but that's when she found out she was pregnant with oh, wow. uh, with uh, Jocelyn. And uh, so she didn't tell me. But she, that whole game, she kept, let me go get you another beer. It's <laughs> just like, oh, wow, this was really yeah, good idea to bring yeah. it and so uh it wasn't until uh you know later on that she told me um 
that, that we had a little one on the way, but yeah, I, just opening day has always been special. You yeah. know, I, I just really love it. The bunting, obviously. The bunting, yeah. You're yeah. a fan of the bunting, so, I know. And Yeah, uh, I, I I get up for it. I definitely yeah. do. No, I, I think back, I think one of my favorites is, uh, I believe it was um, a, a game against the Rangers, a night game. It was like an opening night game that you and I were there, and it was like, I think it was Carlos Pena won the game with a walk-off homer. And mm-hmm. I just remember celebrating that and like looking around and, you know, especially going to these A's games, the vibes aren't very good when it's empty. You know, the like, it's fun. You can have a good time, but like Tuesday night against the Rays and there's, you know, a few hundred people in there, the vibes aren't that good. But when the Coliseum is packed and the energy is good, there's a lot of other frustrations getting in and out. Lines are long and all that, but the vibes in the ballpark Dude, it doesn't get better than that. And the energy there, it's electric. It's super fun. And you hear other players, like I remember Tigers players talking about the playoff matchups against the A's and like how pumped up that stadium is when you have it full and you don't get that many games with that. So I I think that that's one of those things is like reminding you of like good times that can be had there. It's not going to be like that every game, but the games that are like that, especially if the A's get back to the playoffs. That's going to be a fun time. And you get a little bit of a reminder of that on opening day. It also feels like it's the first day of school. You're back. Energy's good. You see friends that you talk to throughout the year and you get back together. And then you have a thing that you can get back together and go do every once in a while and go see from friends and family. And, you know, like you said, like, because it isn't like that all the time, you do have to do that and experience it and experience those long lines. So then when you are there yeah. Tuesday against the race <laughs> yeah. and you go get a hot dog and go to the bathroom and you come back and it's the same at bat, then you really appreciate that last dive bar, you know? So, uh, uh, yeah, it definitely isn't last dive bar, but you're right. Like, it, it is just such a great spot, just a yeah. great atmosphere um, and so fun to be a part of. So fun to, you know, bring the kids out to and get them to bring it up and, and make that part of their excitement. And same for my kids. You know, I, I hope that, that that's going to be something they do when they get older and go to opening day with their friends. And I hope with they us, think with the dads you know? <laughs> or, you know, even beyond us, you know, yeah. and uh, then go back and, you know, someone, well, what is it? Ah, oh, it just reminds me of those times going out there with my dad oh, and yeah. opening day with my yep. dad. So hope to continue it, but yeah, just love opening day. Really excited. Um, definitely uh, hoping we can get a good result. I think it is a little weird that we're going Thursday. We're not going Friday. Then we're going yeah. again Saturday and Sunday. Don't really understand that, but <laughs> hoping for a really good Thursday. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it, man. Looking forward to doing this podcast with you all season, talking a lot of A's baseball. And so this is Winter Hughes. I'm Joe Hughes. That's Eric Hughes, my brother. We'll be talking with you on Mondays, dropping new podcasts throughout the season as needed. Make sure to like and subscribe. You can find us on Twitter at Win or Hughes. You can also find us on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe and follow along every Monday. So we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys.